Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. So we're going to continue um, yes. talking about marriage and family. And so we just spent all week on vacation, so we have lots of things that we could tell you about how that went. It went. It was it went awesome. Really yeah. Actually, I was just reflecting, and I asked the boys as we were driving, like, I was like, what was your favorite thing that you did? And they told me, and they all had something positive to say. And overall, nobody really complained, and we had a really good time, which for a mom... I kept like, the paddle hanging in the rearview mirror, right, so, right. so they they, nobody see. complained at all. <laughs> no, but actually, I was thinking, like, nobody even I didn't com- do that. I'm just complained kidding. about, like, doing dishes or helping clean up. I feel like everybody just was really happy. Which is cool because Liz told me that vacation is basically when she goes somewhere different and does the same thing at home. Whenever right. you take kids, that's kind of how, how it is. So Yeah, but it was yeah. really enjoyable it was very for good. me. Yeah. It was really a blessed time. So Yeah, yeah. yeah very cool. So we're going to um, talk this week. So the first week we talked about um, really just uh, your identity versus your function, which is crazy important that we understand that we identify with who we are in Christ. We're sons and we're daughters of him, and our function is what we do. And if you want your function to go well, such as being a dad, being a grandpa, being a husband, a wife, a child, whatever, you need to know your identity and be rooted and grounded in your identity in Christ first. And then last week, um, we just talked about uh, what did we talk about last week? Some marriage. Some marriage, yes, some marriage, but just some um, steps and some keys to Practical. having a, a healthy, yeah. healthy, productive marriage. So, yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah. So this week we're going to talk about um, how to enjoy your kids. And because they that's, are enjoyable. They are enjoyable. You may not know that or may not feel like that sometimes, but, but kids are enjoyable. They're a blessing. And there's this verse. We're going to start with this. This is Psalm 127. In verse 3, so Psalm 127 in verse 3, it says, Behold. Now wait. Whenever you see the word behold, you really need to pay attention because the Lord would not say behold if he didn't want you to get a hold of something. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. So it says, Behold, look upon, get this, get a hold of this, all that work just like that. Okay. So it says, Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And I feel like this verse is so appropriate to start with. And please put the reins on me if you need to. I probably will. We live, the culture (laughs) and our country in specific right now, children are being looked at as being a curse instead of being a blessing. And unfortunately, a, a good percentage of the church is being sucked in to all of the nonsense that's going on. And this is where you might have to put the reins on me, but... Abortion, is, but this needs, this needs to be in the notes. <laughs> Abortion, it should have been in there, is one area where we see this, right, to where we see life is not even being valued. And, and isn't it amazing what's, and you can tell it's a, it's a spiritual battle that's happening because you've got some states like Alabama and Missouri, praise God, I think Ohio, um, a few different ones that are moving very much towards like we don't want abortion. Was it Louisiana that just said all abortion is completely illegal? I don't know if that passed yet or not. But So we see some states that are moving that way, and then you have uh, Illinois. Praise God, all those Illinois people just need to move to God's country over here. You know what, actually? Actually, they need to stay planted, and they need to go in, and they need to change that state yes. in the name of Jesus. Yes. So you can't pull everybody out of the world, or the world will never never change. But so Illinois, and then we've seen what happened in New York, and then it was Virginia, where not only, see, the, 
the enemy, it's like he'll just keep pushing as far as people will go. And I think it was in Virginia where they were actually having conversations about infanticide, which is killing a child after they're born mm. should be legal. I mean, come on, this is crazy stuff that's happening. And so we see a devaluing of, of, children's, you know, of children's lives. And then we also see this a lot. I'm just going to say this. I'll be careful how I say it. But we see this a lot in, I'm just going to say the culture as a whole. And this is planned by the enemy. This is, this is not a conspiracy theory, but it was planned by the enemy. And if you go and study like Marxism and different kinds of, of government and things that, and political ideologies that are put in place, they always want to get the parents busy so that the children have to be occupied by somebody else. Now, listen, I, if, you, if your kids are in school, that is your business, and I am not against you. We are for you and believe your kids can be a light and believe that they will be well-educated and protected and all of that stuff. But just understand this. The goal of the enemy is to have not the parents that birthed the children raise them or a single mom, single dad, whatever the situation is, but is to actually pull them out and have people with different ideologies raise and train up your kids. You may think, well, I don't really agree with that. That's fine. I'm just telling you how the enemy works. There is a huge devaluing of family, of children, and of children being raised up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. So when you have your children, and this is just something you might be like, well, I'm just not there yet. No condemnation, but it's something to think about. When your children are in a, in a place to where they're there for a lot of hours a day, you have to counteract that when they come home very hard to undo much of what they've had placed in them. A lot of it's fine. They learn geometry. They learn you know, English. They learn all of the things that they would learn in school. That's fine. But understand the enemy has a plan to separate you from your kids because you are the best thing that has ever happened to your children that's outside right. of Jesus, of course. You are the greatest thing that's ever happened. Right. Amen. Amen. So children are a blessing from the Lord. They are a blessing. That's exactly right. Yes. Amen. You don't have anything to add to that? I don't. Did I do okay keeping the reins on because did, I can go. Did, I know, I know. You did so, pretty good. But a heritage is just an inheritance. Yes. And whenever you think yes. about an inheritance, it's a good thing. Like we want inheritances. Yeah. And so we do have that through our children. So. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's really good. Amen. Praise God. You know, I told one of my kids recently, I totally stole this. I didn't tell them I stole it. I just pretended like I came up with it on my own to make myself look awesome. But I said that one of them was talking about, we have one of our kids that's a, he's a money man. And he's always talking, he's like, well, I'm the richest. He told me the other day, by the way, the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Yay. <laughs> I just tested you. You hear how loud you shouted? You better do better than that by the end of this, okay? <laughs> so the Blues won the Stanley Cup. And he tells me, he said, Dad, he said, when I'm 20, he said, I'm going to buy us tickets to every game. Then the next sentence was basically, I'm going to buy a team and, and pay for all of the players to build them to build my own team and win the Stanley Cup. I said, that's good. He said something like, I'll buy them for a thousand bucks each. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to cost good a little luck. bit more good than that. Good luck that. with that. <laughs> so anyways, he's the money man. And he was saying something about being rich. And I said, you know that I'm the richest man in the world. And I stole that. <laughs> From that guy over there, well, he has more, a few more kids than I do. So, you know, maybe he is wealthier in that sense. But I told him, I said, I'm the wealthiest man in the world. And he said, what do you mean? I said, because I have you. And he was like, oh, yeah. But it's true. Our, what we have from our children, God blessing us with our children, is, makes us the wealthiest people. 
And if we can grab a hold of that, gravitate towards that, and not, not be enamored by the spirit of the world that says, oh, listen, if you want to have one kid or you want to have 12 kids, that's up to you. That's between you and your spouse and the Lord. But don't let the world tell you that more kids is going to cause you more problems. Right. More kids are a blessing. If you feel like you can, you can, if your quiver's not full and you want to have more, by golly, have more. And how do you know if your quiver's full? When the thought of another one makes you quiver. <laughs> that's how you know. Wow, that was good. <laughs> so, let's move on. Anybody here got the point to where they quivered at one point in your life? You're like, oh, Jesus. All right. So, um, so anyways, but... So we want to talk about, so like, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you enjoy your kids? So the, that's the topic of what we're talking about. First thing to know that just, you have to know that they are a blessing. Yes. They're not, a, they're not a curse. You know, there, there are no bad kids. There's only people that just don't know how to maybe raise and train their kids. And so let me, let me say this because people are like, you know, my, that kid is just rotten and they were just a hellion growing up. Well, the truth is, is that kids kind of are hellions because they're born in sin. So if, if you don't train them according to the fear and the admonition of the Lord, they're going to remain in that unless you train them out of that. Right. So it's not really kids that are bad, but it's parents that just need some understanding. But let me say this, that Liz and I, neither one have it figured out. No. Neither one do, but we've had a lot of people say, you guys are doing a good job, so it feels like we're doing some things right, but the reality is is that the word is the word regardless, That's amen? Right. Whether you're a fresh new mom or dad, or all your kids are grown and raised and have their own kids, the word is the word and the truth is the truth, amen? And so one thing I feel like is really important before we move into this is that to remember that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and there is always hope because one of the questions whenever we talk about raising kids and training children is that I get older parents that say, my kid is wayward and I, I know I didn't do everything right and I feel like we totally blew it or missed it. Understand this, we serve the God of redemption. He yes. can redeem your family. He can redeem your children. He can bring them back in, all of those things. And so don't beat yourself up. Just get in faith and believe that God can bring restoration. Amen. Right. Right. And probably, you know, seeking the Lord and them seeing the fruit of your relationship with the Lord is the best thing that that's you right. could ever do for kids any age. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we want to get into talking about, and this is going to apply a little bit more to maybe people with small children, but this is just something that we just, we need to do and we need to talk about because it's in the word and very, in, uh, very important. And Liz and I really have had this, this urgency in us. And you said something about family. One of you two did, and it was like my mind went off and I missed some of what you said because we have been so in, enthralled, I think is the word, just with the idea of reaching families because I believe the breakdown, not just in our country, but the whole world is the family. Yeah. That when you can have children that are raised in an environment to where they know and understand who they are, who their God is, whatever the Lord has called them into, they will stay that course strong if they know that and understand that. So the family unit is really, I believe, where a large percentage of the breakdown is happening in our country and why we see the demoralization that's happening all, all over the place. We just went to D.C. on vacation. We saw a lot of things there. And I believe that it's not the government's fault. 
I believe that most of it comes back to the church and the family working together with the word of God, the spirit of God, the anointing, the power of God, working in hearts of people in local families and local communities that will ultimately change the world. And so these kind of conversations are really important. Yes, yes. definitely. So the next part, the next verse um, in Psalm 124, it says, like arrows of a warrior. So verse 3, let me go back and read it again. Is behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And then verse 4 says, like arrows of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Mm, I feel like that is so rich. I never really, I've read that verse, but I've never really sat and meditated on it until we started talking about it. And yeah. it's really good. Yeah, yeah. So when you think about, when you think about a, a parent, having children and they're like arrows. This is like a, a, to me is like another level of, I can take my kids and I can find out what that arrow was designed for and I can shoot them in the proper direction. And as a matter of fact, I can do a lot of destruction in the enemy's camp by shooting my kids in the direction that they're supposed to go. Right, and know that you're a warrior. Like warriors go out with the intention to shoot at the target right. that they are meant to take. That's right. That's or right. defeat or capture or whatever. They go out with one intention, and that is victory. Yeah. Nobody usually goes into battle. You're not a warrior, and you're not looking and saying, I'm going to go, and maybe I'll go f- what, I mean, I'll, I'll accomplish what I'm, gonna get but no you go and it, it's a it's a mentality yeah. it's a stance it's a position it's a function and you go out and you say I am going to take what I'm after yeah that's right so this isn't it doesn't say that like a shotgun of a warrior so are children of one's youth and people have this this mentality you know that having children is very easy but training them is something totally different yeah. Anybody can have kids, but to train them up is, is different. It requires precision. It requires practice. It requires being in the presence of God. I don't know how people raise kids without the Holy Ghost because yeah. so many times we'll be in the midst and it's like the Lord will say, boom, 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 boom. We nearly always know what's going on with our kids or what's going to go on with our kids before they know what's going to go on. Yeah. And that's, that's because of the Lord. And so the deal is, is that people kind of have this mentality. And I, I really just think it's the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age we live in to where you have kids and it's like, here you go. But that's not the picture that this scripture verse is revealing here. It says like an arrow, you know, an arrow is a very precise pointed thing. And, and I know because I've shot bow and arrow enough to know that your goal is, is that you pull the bow back and you aim and you hit that thing as tight as you possibly can. Well, so if that's the deal with kids, it's not just about having kids and then being, just leaving them off for the world to do whatever it wants to do with them, but you train your kids up, you or raise them up. thinking that they will just get whatever because yeah. whether or not you're intentional, kids are learning something. Training is learning a behavior, and so they're gonna learn a behavior, so you have to be intentional Yeah, that, that's Yeah, ex- that's exactly right. And so, um, again, having children is easy, but training them takes work. So you need to think about whenever you're going, just like somebody with an arrow that you would point at something. And again, it's not a, it's not a shotgun thing where you just, and you shoot it out and hope that it lands in the right place, but be intentional. And the way that we do this, here's a verse in Proverbs 22 and six, it says, train up a child in the way they should go. And that when he is old, he will not depart from it. And this, this, um, this phrase, the way they should go is talking about their bent. And here's something that we found is that every, every person, but every child has a particular way that they are, that God has made them a direction they're supposed to go. But it doesn't say 
it doesn't say person, find out your bent and follow God. Right. It says parents to train up your children in their bent the way they should go. And when they grow, they won't depart from it. Yeah. So what does that require? That requires actually seeking the Lord. And I know for me, you know, you have one kid and you see how they are. And sometimes they're easier than others. And for us, Kingston was a lot easier. And um, I, I, I had Elijah and I wanted to actually put Elijah in the same mold mm. as Kingston. Mm. And, you know, we can't do that because each person is individual and um, just has their own ways and so the Lord you know began to show me that you can't put that on your child you have to let each kid be who I created them to be and in order to do that you need to seek me and ask me for what it is that I'm calling them to and so I have found that actually this is a great place to learn to hear from God um, because it was important to me and things that you're important that you feel you know that are um that you're seeking, then, you know, you can find answers for. And so I just began to ask the Lord specifically. I remember it was Elijah, and um, he was having a hard time in school, and I really wanted him to read, and it wasn't as hard for Kingston, and I wanted him to fit into that mold, and the Lord's like, you can't do that. But you can, he would respond really well to reward. So I set up a reward system, and he did that, and it was really awesome. But, like, I had to seek the Lord and actually get an answer for him on what it would look like that would benefit Elijah and just let them each be their individual person. So Yeah, yeah, that's right, because each individual, just like each of you are individuals, your kids are individuals, and they have a certain, again, a certain way that they're supposed to go. You know the verse that talks about he, he knits us together in our mother's womb. I thought about that verse a lot, and most of the time we think about, like, naturally. This is, I'm going to give you some Kentology here, okay? So <clears throat> I believe that when it comes to the physical attributes and physical features, this is what I believe. If you don't believe this, that's your business, but this is what I believe, and I have the microphone so I can say it right now, okay? So, but I believe believe that physical things are determined by the DNA of the parents that made that child. And it, to me, it seems very obvious because you can take a, you can look at Kingston and he looks, you know, just like me. I, I walked out and down and I saw Luis standing down there and Arius, and it was like, Arius is just like a little Luis. I mean, they look identical to each other. That wasn't the Lord necessarily saying, I'm going to make Kingston uh, you know, look just this way. That was the procreation that he's already set in motion of, of two human beings coming together. And when that happens, then they birth something that looks like a combination of them. He happens to look a lot more like me probably than her, but that, that's how that works. But so when it talks about him knitting us together in our mother's womb, this is what I really believe it means is that he puts a certain drive. He puts certain understanding, a certain passion, a certain desire, and definitely a particular call on their life in, in a direction they're supposed to go. And this fits into a lot of what God's shown us recently that I believe that a large percentage of the church is orphaned because what we hear is like, you know, when the prophet comes in town, it's like, you've got a call on your life. And you know, people like, you know, we've got a couple of our kids here that definitely have got a call on their life for pastoring or ministering or going overseas or something. And it's like, they always seem to get called out 
And it's like, you've got a call, but what about all the other kids that aren't called into the five-fold ministry? A lot of them are going to work jobs as doing this, that, or the other. And so we've found that so many, so many people in the church feel orphaned. They don't feel like they have a call. The truth is every human being that gets birthed into this earth, God has a plan for them. He has a call on their life and has a specific direction that they are supposed to go. Yes. So even when they were in the womb, <clears throat> all of our kids were in the womb and, uh, and the time they were, they were being born, we began to ask God, Lord, what, give, us, give us words for them. And the Lord gave us words for every single one of our boys. And as they've grown older, we've begun to see that those words were, were spot yes. deadly yes. accurate for them. And what that's helped us be able to do is be able to take them and go, okay, we see the direction that the Lord has for them. But that direction he put in them, that's when he was knitting them together in their mother's womb, that's what he was doing, was putting those things in them to prepare them for the task ahead, to prepare them for the life ahead that God has planned for them. So as parents, it's our job to mine out those things within our children that we see. Let me tell you something, parents. You, even if your kids are grown, you have the ability by God, supernaturally, to see into the spirit and to see how God has made your kids, yes. how he's wired them, and even at least part in what he's destined them for. Right, and encourage them in that because, I mean, there's nothing greater than a parent going to their child and saying, I see this within you and I, let me help you or speak words of encouragement to drive them towards that. Yeah, that's right. And the thing is, is that you don't want your kids to fit into any mold. You want them to fit into the mold that God has for them. Right. This is like when Liz was talking about the difference between Kingston and Elijah. And you all know us pretty well. And you know, there's a big difference between them two. Totally different, totally different kids. And it's been important for us to understand that they've got different, different calls on their life. And you know, you, you'll hear this, uh, you've heard this a lot with people, and I've, I've ministered to so many people that they felt like failures in their life, and they're like, well, my mom always said that I was a preacher, but I just, I don't know, I just never measured up. Well, just because your mom says you're a preacher doesn't necessarily mean she was right. So the point is, as parents, get it right. You can get it right. And don't try to prophesy and preach your kid, or not preach, but prophesy them into something in particular. Know that you're telling them what God has for them. And you don't even have to be specific, but just grow them up and help them find out what is on the inside of them. And they'll find that way between them and the Lord. And what you're there to do is to bring confirmation to what the Lord will reveal to them. That's really what prophecy is for, is to bring confirmation to what the Lord is already revealing. But if he's revealed to you certain things about your kids, that gives you a direction to pray. Yes. That gives you a direction to make very practical, wise decisions for their life. That gives you a direction to encourage them in particular ways. Like, for example, I've got some of my kids, like they, like they do sports and stuff, but I've come to the conclusion that they've gotten older, they're, like, they're not necessarily athletes, but they like to play sports. If one of them was like a super athlete, I probably would be like, you know, let's, let's play some more sports. Let's be a little more dedicated in this area. Does that make sense? But now that I see that, it's like, well, they can have fun doing that, but their ultimate call isn't to be a professional baseball player. I can, I can see that. No offense, you're very good, but, you know. <laughs> but you see those kind of things, and it helps you be able to understand the things that God's doing in them and the conversations you have, how they're wired in the direction they're supposed to go. It is our job to understand that and train them up in the way that they should go. Yes, and I think it's so awesome, too, that I'm seeing that God, you know, he, he see like, he knows our, our families and the culture and whatnot, but, like, how he actually compliments 
one or our kids to one another and how mm -hmm. what one one has one thing and the other one maybe doesn't have it and they're supposed to like encourage each other or just you know drive each other in that way they weren't actually created to be the same people they That's were right. created to be different people and i really think that it's oh sorry i'm moving and shaking you're italian hair. you move when you talk it's no problem <laughs> um i think that it's really neat to just to begin to see the the difference that they all have, but see how it's made to complement one another. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's and complement exactly right. the family. Yeah, amen, yeah. amen. So a couple things here about training your children. You all getting some good stuff out of this? I hope you are. You should be. If you're not, then you're not listening because this is amazing stuff. Uh, so I look at training. You know, the Bible says, just as we read here, to train up your child. Well, what does it mean to train your child? This is what I believe training really means is I break it down into two, two basic. You could break it down into more than this, but two basic things is it's both discipline and instruction. And the younger they are, you lean heavier, a little more heavy on the discipline usually. And the older they get, you bring them out of discipline. You bring them into instruction. And so what that means is like, you know, we've got them from 13 to three. Well, my 13-year-old doesn't really get spanked anymore, but my three-year-old gets spanked for sure because you can't reason with a two-year-old or a three-year-old. You know, you can't, you know, if it comes to a kid running out on the street and he's done it, um, when it comes to that, you can't say, now, Lawson, I want you to understand that if you run out into the street, you're, if you start doing that, he's going to run out the street again while you're talking. I mean, that's, that's just how a two-year-old is, right? So you have to be able to take discipline and train your children to the point to where they develop enough of a, of a, of a respect for the boundaries and a relationship with you that you could begin to teach them as they get older. Well, the reason why you don't run out of the street, the obvious reason is so you don't get run over by a car. Well, you can't reason with the two-year-old but you can reason with one that's older. But here's what, what I've come to understand. If you don't discipline your children when they're young and you try to reason with them, you will not be able to reason with them when they're older. You have to discipline your children. So this gets into a lot of conversation about, and this is the, the age we live in where people are like, you know, I'm against spanking kids. And I heard this, I heard this, um, this radio, this thing on the radio years ago, and it's so it's only gotten worse since then. But this lady gets on this talk show and she says, we listen to our kids. We don't spank them. We want to hear their feelings. And I was not, we weren't even married, didn't have any kids or anything. And I was driving down the road and I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because you can't, you can't just listen to a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old. They right. have to have boundaries. Right, and I was going to say, a three-year-old wants candy and sugar all the time. But you know if you, if you just said, okay, you want candy, you want sugar, that's fine, keep eating it, that like they'll eventually get sick because that is not actually the only thing that they need. They yeah. need more than that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It says here in Proverbs 22 and 15, it says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And the rod of correction is literally taking a rod and spanking your child. And I see, here's the thing. This is easy for me because I grew up in a home. I can say a lot about my home that I grew up in. It was a good home. But my parents learned, and what happened is that my older brother, I love being able to tell this, it's awesome. <laughs> my older brother, talk about a hellion, he wore my parents out. And this older gentleman came to my dad and, and he said, let me, let me show you some things, let me help you. And he gave, he gave him a book and my dad uh, read it and I think it was called Children, Fun or Frenzy, something like that. 
And so my dad began to understand, wait, I have to do some things to discipline my child to, to help them be controlled to where they're enjoyable to be around and they're gonna be disciplined when we get older. And so we grew up in a home where we didn't get abused, we got spanked. See, you can spank your kids and it not be abuse. You can spank your kids and it be abuse, but there's a right way that you're supposed to go about doing this. As a matter of fact, look at this verse right here. It says in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. So he who spares his rod hates his son. See, a lot of people would think that, oh, and I've met, especially with moms, it tends to be a little bit more difficult. They'll think, oh, I just, you know, their, their kid will push them to the, to the very end before they finally decide, well, I'm going to spank them. And then they end up doing it out of anger or frustration, and they don't, they don't do it promptly. Why? Because they're not spanking the kid for their sake, for the child's sake. They're spanking the child for their sake. They've come to the end of themselves. They've, taken, they've had all that they can possibly take. And so they finally decide to break out the paddle, the belt, the spatula, whatever it is, the switch, shoe. whatever, the shoe. <laughs> it might have happened I want to try some vacation. <laughs> anyways, um, <clears throat> so anyways, moving on. Uh, whatever it is that they break out and they do it finally out of frustration and anger and they spank their child. And what you just communicated to that child is that I've had all of you that I can take and now you're gonna get it. Whereas the proper response and the way that you do this is that you look for opportunities to discipline your child and to teach them at the same time. Now, Did you hear that? Look for opportunities. You do. You look for opportunities. Yes, because yeah. it's good because if, I mean, you don't want to get to that place of frustration. Right. So you, I mean, and we, we've seen this in our own life, you know, your kids frustrating you. Well, first you shouldn't get to that point of frustration, but um, we're... It, it, they're not being enjoyable, and then we bring correction, and then all of a sudden, it, they're super enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We experienced that one day on vacation. Yeah. And so when, whenever I have, so the, the deal was is I had the, the youngest one, and he probably won't ever hear this, and he's in the nursery or wherever, so it's fine. But he, he, we were outside, and we were sitting on the steps. I was sitting on the steps. They will push your boundaries. They want to see certain ones more than others. Yeah, if they want to see if you mean what you say. Absolutely, and this this one in particular does that. And so he he was he was on the steps, and I actually I was on top of the the deck, and I was sitting in a chair, and we were throwing a ball back and forth. Well, then he gets up on the up on the higher up on the steps and throws the ball and jumps off at the same time. You know, from like you know three foot off the ground. And I said, do not do that again because you're going to get hurt. So I throw him the ball, and what does he do? He gets the ball, climbs up to the second step instead of the third step, I think it was, and jumps off and throws the ball. And I said, I just told you not to do that. And he goes, but I just did it a little bit. <laughs> I said, well, I said, you disobeyed me, and so you're going to get a spanking. So I took him inside, and this is what I believe the proper way to spank a child. You don't ever spank a child in public because you don't want to embarrass them. You do it in private. You don't spank a child with your hand. Hands are for loving Hands are for provision. Hands are for hugging. Hands are for those kinds of things. And you don't want them, like, when you're coming to embrace them, you don't want them to shudder at you. Yes. So I love that. Yes. So you, you find an, an object, and so I found Liz had a giant hairbrush, and so that was what I had available. <laughs> so I took him in the bedroom, and I gave him some swats on his butt, 
And, and some people will, and moms and dads do this differently, but I can tell you now that I didn't fear my mom's spankings, I feared my dad's spankings. And I didn't fear my dad, I feared what he would give me if I didn't operate in obedience. And it caused me, as I got older, I really looked back, I appreciated what my parents did for me. Yeah. So, but when it comes to actually spanking a child, they should, I, I've heard people say, what if it hurts their butt? It should hurt their butt. <laughs> Sometimes I've spanked their little tushies till they were red. And you know what? They got over it. It says that rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of correction drives it from him. Yes. If you don't spank your children and you don't do it properly, you don't love your kids as much as you do you. So when you go and you do that, this is what I always do. And Liz, we always do this, that we spank our kids. Then we set the object, whatever we, you know, whatever we use down. And then we, and different kids will respond differently, but you wait till you have the time and then you pick them up and you hold them. Because your goal isn't to get them to fear you, but it's to get them to fear the punishment. Because see, if I hadn't restrained my child, he could have continued jumping off the, the third step or even all the way up on the top deck and jumped down. He could have broke his leg. He could have done something and it would have been bad. Was it more love for me to take action to constrain my child? even if it cost him a little bit of pain or would have been more love just to let him do whatever. It's more love to constrain your child to cause them because if, they're, if their discipline now is for their benefit and everybody else's benefit now, but when they get older, it's gonna be for their benefit. Right. Yeah. Because what you do is you bring children into the law and as they get older, you bring them out of the very thing that you brought them into. So you bring them into a sense of, if you do this, this is going to happen to you. If you disobey, these are going to be the consequences. And as they get older, you teach them that actually a relationship with the Lord and a relationship with me is if you will live restrained and not just have to have someone on your case all the time, you can just come in and you can reap the benefits of having a relationship with me and a relationship with the Lord. That's a disciplined lifestyle and that's the benefits that come from it. See, a lot of people... They have a hard time when it comes to, I'm looking at a few faces and I think, oh, I don't know if they're getting this. But I'm telling you, the benefits of properly disciplining and spanking your child far out, outweigh anything else when it comes to the discipline part of it. We need to teach them and instruct them, but we also have to discipline them properly. You always do it in love. You never do it out of anger. I can honestly say I've never spanked any, one time, one time I spanked my, one of my kids out of anger one time. And I apologized to him that. And when he got older, I went back and I said, son, I want you to know so that I'll never open up the door to the enemy that I spanked you one time out of anger. So I will say that. Other than that, I don't ever spank my kids out of anger and I've never done it since then. Because it's not about dealing with them because you're fed up. It's about training them so that they operate and function as a human being like they need to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good wisdom. Good wisdom. Amen. I could say a lot more um, about that and I feel like there's probably a lot more I should say about that, but we need to move on because really we haven't got to the meat of where we want to be. And so we're going to have to go through that meat really quick. And so the last thing we want to talk about, and this is really like enjoying your kids. Um, and please, by all means, ask questions about disciplining your children. I love, I love talking about it. It's actually something I'm really passionate about. When I was in not just discipline, but training your children, when I was 15 years old, I remember driving down the road. What 15-year-old does is, I don't know. I remember driving down the road with my dad and I said, dad, what's the proper way to spank a child? 
Now, I had been spanked several times in my life, you know, so I kind of had a pretty good idea, but I remember asking that because there's, there's a right way and there's a wrong way that you go about doing those things. And so it's never for the sake of embarrassment. It's never for the sake of you, you know, uh, getting off being mad at them or whatever. It's always for their sake, for their benefit that you do it. As a matter of fact, if you don't discipline your children, it's, you're basically, they're basically an illegitimate child because it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that it says that the Lord chastens those that he loves, he disciplines us, and he does it with the word and whatever, but he disciplines us because we are legitimate sons and daughters. And so then it goes on to say that, that whom he doesn't chasten, they're not legitimate sons and daughters. So it's almost kind of like if we don't chasten our kids, we don't discipline them, then there's something missing there between the connection between the mother and the father role and the child role. They long for those boundaries. People long for boundaries. It's, it's amazing. I can't put it into words exactly, but when, when you discipline your child, it makes them feel loved. I mean, most of the time, even if it's not immediate, most of the time after spanking my kids, at some point within the next few moments, they will reach up and put their arms around my neck and hug me and kiss me. I just got done lighting their butt up and they'll hug me. What sense does that make? It's because it communicates to them that I care about their well-being. Even if they don't understand all of the, the understanding behind it, they don't know the Bible verses, it communicates to them that I care about them enough to keep them going in the right direction. It is love to discipline your children. It's love to spank them. Don't be enamored by and I meet so many, I meet so many Christians. And I'm sure there's some in this room that you've been infiltrated by the well. I left this ideology. I'll just leave it at that. But anyways, you've been infiltrated by that. Your brain's been infiltrated, and you don't even believe that spanking your kids is, is right. Well, you're wrong, because the Bible tells us right here that we're supposed to discipline our kids. We're supposed to take the rod of correction, and we need to do it and do it in the right way. Amen. Let's Amen. move on. So next thing we're going to talk about, and I love this, and we're going to move through this pretty quick because I know we're out of time, but we're going to talk about having a, um, a healthy, heavenly home culture. Yes, and this is something that I actually just not more recently have like really focused on and become passionate about is having a healthy home culture. But yeah. it's not just healthy because heavenly. And so it's something I'm really been pursuing. Yeah, the Bible says that, and this was the Jesus prayer, and it's been labeled as the Lord's prayer. It's really the, the disciples prayer. And it really should be a prayer for us in our home on earth as it is in heaven. So when you think about what do you want in your home, it should look heavenly in your home. And I can be honest with you. I mean, not every second of every day, like, you know, when you have to spank your kid, it doesn't feel so heavenly. But in a sense, it is heavenly because that's what the heavenly father does for us, right? He disciplines us. And so it's a good thing. But our, our home, our goal and your goal for your home, or at least part of it should be that you want to create an atmosphere of heaven in your home. And so if your kids are hellions, you need to begin to speak different over your kids and say that they're heavenians. I don't know if that works or whatever, but <laughs> that my kids are a blessing from God, that they're sent from heaven. And Lord, I thank you that I have the wisdom, the understanding, the ability to create a heavenly culture in my home. And so instead of it being hellacious all the time, I can change the culture of of my home. Yes. And this is very important, not only for kids, because what we're getting ready to go into is, is important for everybody. If you're yes. a single person and you're the only person in your home, you need to develop the idea and the mentality that you're going to change the atmosphere of your home, that the culture of your home is going to be very heavenly. Yes. Amen. So we've got a few different things here that are really important um, that we've come to find out about developing a heavenly culture. And I'll just tell you for the record that we are not all there 
But, but like Brother Andrew says that we haven't arrived, but praise God, we've left. And yes. so we've got some good things that are working here. We want to share these with you really quick. And number one, the first thing that we've done to help develop a heavenly home culture um, is that we've developed and are developing family values. First of all, a vision or a goal for our family, which we shared with you. And then also, um, in the past couple of weeks, and we'll share here again in a second, but also developing family core values. So much like in the church, and we've described this, you know, our vision is like why we exist, why we exist as a church family. And then we've got our core values. It really, it really determines the culture of the church. So when you look at your own personal home, you should have vision and you should have goals for your family, for your home, and then develop family values that speak to you and speak to your family what you want to see in your family and plaster them puppies up and begin to work towards those things. Right, because I, you know, I just have found as our kids are getting older and instead of telling them no, no, no all the time, I mm. want them to see why it is we do what we do and I want to be intentional because I mean we we do see things that we don't like necessarily in our home. We have a very peaceful home because we've been intentional about creating that even though we haven't necessarily said this is what we're doing, but um, I want them to know why it is that we're doing what we're doing and and actually have them be able to take ownership of that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, people have culture either by design or by default. Right. So if you're not designing the culture in your home, you, you have one whether you like it or whether you realize it or not, you have a culture in your home. Take charge of it. Take authority over it and begin to make it go the direction that the Lord wants it to go. And you can do that. And so the first thing you do is you develop a a vision or a goal, whatever word you want to use, and then you develop some of those family values. And so we've had some things that we've found that by default have been really good in our home culture. And then other things by default have been a not so good. And I'll give you an example of one of the good things. We were driving uh, home from vacation. Oh, this was so sweet. And Lawson sitting all the way in the back, <clears throat> Kingston sitting right in front of him. Um, and he had just gotten done slurping down a Frosty from Wendy's. I felt like Wendy's was like every other meal while we were gone. But anyways, <laughs> uh, but praise God, they're pro-adoption if you haven't seen that. So we love Wendy's. Um, so um, this Wendy's pro-adoption too, by the way. But <laughs> anyways, uh, so Lawson just got done slurping down a, a, a frosty or whatever, and he goes, he goes, he, he goes to, and so cool. It's when you have the older ones that the younger ones can glean from. It's it's really awesome and it's very godly. It's the way it's supposed to work in a church, to where the younger ones come to the older ones, and so it's working that way in our family. And he calls him Kiki, and he says, Kiki. He goes, my belly hurts. And, you know, it's just like, well, you shouldn't have probably, we shouldn't have allowed him to have all that sugar, but he had it anyways. And so he says, my belly hurts. And Kingston's immediate response, first of all, I thought the culture was set in our home for him to say, my stomach hurts. Instead of just whining, he communicated. But then Kingston, we didn't have to, we didn't have to prep him and say, now, Kingston, you know what to do now. Do it, do it. He turned around and he said, in Jesus' name, we thank you that all the pain's going from this belly name of Jesus or whatever it was that he, that he prayed. That, Liz and I were like, oh, that's culture right there. <laughs> a little bit by default, but that's how we function in our home when it comes to sickness. 
we don't tolerate that garbage. We take the blood of Jesus, the word of God, and we speak and it, actually, and we see change. And actually, then Lawson responded very well, and he didn't say anything else yeah. about his stomach hurting. Yeah, amen. So there's just an expectancy there yes. with that. And so, But it's, we've started to become more intentional. So I just want to read our vision or our goal, which we've communicated with. And I want Liz to talk about the family values that, okay. that we've set that are really helping to support and work towards that goal or that vision. So here's our vision or our goal is to create a healthy, blessed, kingdom-minded, productive family. And let me break that down for you real quick. And this is why we think this way. And we're giving you this as an example so that you can do the same thing in your home. You absolutely should take this and do this in your home. Hear from the Lord. Develop your own. You can copy ours if you want, but you can develop your own. Let God speak to you about the things that are important for your home and what you're working towards. But here's how you break that down. So we have we're working towards to create a healthy, blessed, kingdom-minded, productive family. So healthy, this is what this looks like for us, for a home to be healthy, is um, everyone walking in love, growing, because you know that anything is not growing is not healthy. Anything that's alive that's not growing is not healthy. Um, that there's unity and that we value the others and who God created them to be. So to me, that is healthy. And so that's part of our vision. That's part of our goal is that we want to be healthy. We want to be blessed. And basically, we have an expectation of the favor of God in every area of our life. So we're a blessed family. We walk in the blessing of God. We expect his favor in everything. We're kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded is having a mindset to establish the kingdom of God. We don't exist. Our family doesn't exist just to be here. We exist to be here to bless other people and to encourage other people and to minister to other people. And then the last thing is about being productive. And so being a positive asset to the family and the community, that's what we want to train our kids up to be productive in every, every area of life. And so these are some values. Right. And I will just say too, like a lot of us, you know, crave and desire to bring heaven to earth. Well, it starts with actually bringing heaven into home because mm. they can't know to take heaven outside if they don't oh have it in their home first so that's so important and i love like we even use this language of being kingdom minded and of bringing heaven to earth because they need to hear those words they need to hear those things because then that actually creates life in them it creates vision for them and so just you know a couple of values that we decided for our family because these are things that we want to be intentional in and this, so this is a good example of what we're doing right. and then you could hear from the lord for right yourself. because they it might look different for your family and it doesn't like kent said it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're a teenager or you know just begin to ask the lord the things that you want to see in your own life to be able to bring kingdom you know, to yourself so that it can go outward. Just ask the Lord, like, what is it that I need to be intentional about in my life? Yeah. Um, so number one, our family walks in love. Like we love is that thing that is the key to everything. And then, so that this is our statement, I guess, of faith. I will all, cause we want them to take ownership. Remember it's again, it's about bringing them back to the why it is that we do what we do. I will always prefer other family members over myself. So that, that just... So the way that this looks is like the reason you put this up is that we begin, and Liz said this at the beginning of talking about this, is that you, what we do with these, these values is that we measure what's going on in life and in the home according to these values. And so you get, especially as the kids get older, you move away from, if you do that, you're going to get a spanking to where you move into, to where you can reason with them a little bit and say, well, look, you just slapped your brother upside the head. I know he popped you with the towel on the backside probably because you saw dad do it to somebody else first, but that's beside the point. <laughs> so you need to ask yourself, does that fit 
And you bickering back and forth, does that really fit inside of our family value of walking in love? And if we all agree on these values, and this is the, our next step, because like I said, we're in the middle of it, then what will happen is when we come to agreement with these, that we can go back and say, you're not walking in conjunction with the value that we have set as a family. And so that means you're not working towards our goal and our vision of having a healthy, blessed, kingdom-minded, productive family. You're actually working against it. Is that really what you want to do? And it causes an awakening in the person to go, oh, no, I love my family. I want, to, I want to be a part. You see, so these values are what we set that when everybody begins to look and measure what they're doing to the value, we can always look and go, that's not what I want to do. This actually is what I want to do over here. Yes, and it's a great tool for communication too because a lot of things that are happening in homes is just because of a breakdown of communication. And so we want to always be communicating with our kids, have open dialogue, and let them be able to say to us you know, what they're thinking, but then us be able to go back to them and yeah. say, well, this is actually what the Lord has spoken over us for our family. We're so, out of time. Can we just mention these real quick just so that they could hear them? Okay. Because we need to hit that real okay. quick. Okay. Our yeah. family is a team. Um, I use my gifts, talents, and abilities to enhance and promote our family and its vision. Number three, our family are peacemakers. I have the fruit of the spirit and the prince of peace on the inside of me. Therefore, I bring peace into every situation. Number four, our family creates and not consumes. I create because the creator lives within me. I am made in his image. Therefore, I create for others' sake and not for to consume for my own. And I love that because we have to get out of this mindset of being consumers and that we are creators because the creator of the heaven and the universe lives on the inside of us and he's right. created us that way he created things for us and yes. so we're supposed to do that for yes. other people so right. um number five our family are good stewards of time money and relationships i will intentionally manage what god has given me number six our family believes every promise given from God. Everything that the Lord has spoken to me from his spirit and from the word of God is always yes and in him, amen. Which is amen. awesome because then it's actually teaching them too to hear from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And from the word. Yeah, amen. And so the next thing that we want to say about developing a heavenly home culture. So the first thing we just mentioned is about having a goal and a vision, then family values that support that goal and vision. But the next thing is really a, being an example or modeling this. And so we have lots of examples in the Bible. When you look at like David and Solomon, you look at, um, because, you know, David went to the temple and David went to the place of praising the Lord and Solomon was able to see that. You know, the apostle Paul, he said that um, when I was with you, you saw what manner of man I was, how I walked in all humility among you. And so there's this thing that if you're going to place goals uh, and you're going to place, you know, values up on the wall, you need to make sure that you model those things or at least willing to try to model those things yes. before you expect everybody else to do it. Really crazy important. Yes. Yeah. The last thing we want to hit, hit here, and I'm sorry, we're just running out of time, but yeah. um, is to learning, um, learning your child's love languages. Like, so this has been um, really important for developing a, a heavenly home culture. And this is not, I used to think that this was psychobabble when I heard about, you know, love languages, because you don't have a Bible verse that necessarily says, here are the five love languages. But it is so true. When you look at how people relate to love, it is, it, people relate to love basically in five different ways. It's words of affirmation, acts of service, gift giving, physical touch, 
in quality time. Right. Basically, you could boil it down into those five ways. So Liz and I have talked about how we've learned each other's love languages has helped a lot in our marriage, but learning your child's love language, and this goes for when you've got little kids and when you've got big kids, if you want to get into your child's life, into your parents' life, and really be able to invest into them and build that relationship, understand how they relate to love. Not that how way, you, you tend to give love how you receive that's right. love. That's and right. so you have to be intentional actually about giving love how the person that you're giving it to receives That's it. exactly right. So a great example is that we've got one of our boys that, you know, for Liz and I, like physical touch is all the way down on the bottom for both of us. Right. Um, and, you know, hers is acts of service and mine is quality time. But we've got one of ours that he is, he's physical touch through and through. And so we, and like, he's always grabbing and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, sit on your lap, even when it's uncomfortable, because he always wants to touch. And he's always like this all the time. And Liz and I are like, Arr. and so, because that's, just not how we're wired, but we are very intentional to, you know, hug him, to embrace him and to grab his arm and to, you know, whatever. For me, I'll punch him and wrestle with him and all those kind of things. We're very intentional about that because it tells him, even though he doesn't understand the five love languages, it tells him we care about you when we love you and we value you as a member of this family and just as a, as a son that belongs to us. So understanding each other's love languages is very, very important. So, yeah. So, Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.